We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. The Buffalo Bills are beating the shit out of teams. The Buffalo Sabres got some really interesting decisions coming up over the next 10 days, 10 days or so. Tons of stuff to talk about today on Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in, whether you're watching this on video, whether you're checking this out on YouTube. Uh, I appreciate you all. Like I said, a ton of stuff to get into today, and I am joined for a second straight week. My man, Joe Yerden from Noted Hockey, co-host Maintenance Day Podcast, Bleacher Report writer, and... Um, on Sunday, anyway, a NFL reporter covered the game for the Miami Herald. What's going on, dude? How you doing? I'm doing good, dude. Yeah, it's uh first time in six years covering an NFL game. That was uh, I was I was really hoping for it to be game of the game of the century of the week. Um, which I guess the hype it was headed that way early. It was gonna be, but yeah, I mean, it turned out to be uh the blowout of the week. So I, hey, whatever, it's fine. I had fun. <laughs> I was in one of the first quarter and a half anyway. It certainly yeah. started out that way. Um, so you were in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And although, again, you you weren't there as a fan. You were there to work for, again, for the right. Miami Herald. Uh, I talked to Tone Puck yesterday. He was on my show. He was at the game as a fan. Mm-hmm. And Sean McDermott, he, he said it was really loud. And Sean McDermott said after the game that it's one of the loudest uh, games he's ever heard or crowds he's ever heard inside that stadium like mm-hmm. what what was the vibe like from what you saw with the fans on sunday there at uh at highmark stadium it just felt to me like the energy even just watching it on tv you could just tell that this was a game you know every game's important all 17 games all the home games matter blah 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 right. this was a game that bill's fans seem to want more than any other like it's been a long time since i've heard it that loud on tv what was that vibe like at the stadium it was it was it was pretty intense. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know, I, I by the time I rolled into the stadium, it was you know tailgates were already well underway. Um, it was my first experience um, dealing with the stadium construction traffic and how things were getting bounced around there. I I 
the amount of studying I did into traffic patterns of the stadium, I had no idea if there were any roads that were closed or, you know, any of the, the uh, my usual path to get there was, was going to be a no go. turns out it was totally fine. Uh, although I f- faked myself out because uh, the way that I would usually go, the road that I would go down, I didn't see anybody on that road at all or anybody turn off there. And I'm like, uh, does that mean it's blocked? <laughs> like, can I not get to where I'm supposed to go? Cause uh, I was able to, bills were able to uh set me up with parking at the field house lot so you're going you're driving right into the middle of it so um i was i was a little bit like i don't know i hope it isn't closed off i gotta drive like all the way around and you know get get in that way and you know sit in line and wait with everybody but um it was uh it was pretty harmless it was pretty easy to to get in and out but it was uh but man people were people are already pretty well gassed up by the time I, I rolled in and was walking around, kind of took in a little bit of what, you know, the tailgates were going on and whatnot. And I don't know, man, it was, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better weather day, honestly, oh my God. About 70 degrees and perfect, perfect, oh. perfect, sunny skies. Like it was, it's pretty ideal. So, you know, everybody was feeling good. Everybody was having a good time. Even, you know, the handful of dolphins fans I saw, like they were getting razzed, but they weren't getting like, you know, their head stuffed in a, in a porta potty or anything like that. So that was, <laughs> that was a relief to see, I guess. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good vibe, but man, oh man, I tell you when you're in the, if you're ever in the press box there or like, you know, where they keep us in the corner, the one corner of the stadium, yeah, you're pretty well shielded from any noise outside. It's honestly impressive because yeah. it's, it's all, it's virtually soundproof. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not perfect sound, let's be real. It's that's impossible to do, but it's pretty quiet. All things considered, it's amazing. You could still get it pretty. What you got a good feeling once you know uh, early on when they scored, and it was like, oh, okay, all right, this place is this place is pretty jacked up. So, uh, you know that that first score that they got, and then um, you know any you know the first Miami drive where the the place is just going absolutely bananas. It was. It was like that all day long, man. It was pretty. Yeah. It was pretty intense. So yeah, fans were jacked up for good reason too. I so I watched the game at home. I don't like going to games. I've talked about this before. I don't do it anymore. But when I used to do media stuff and I would go to games mm-hmm. as a reporter covering the games, that's a different story. But as a fan, I just prefer to. I'll go tailgate once or twice a season, but sure. I prefer to watch the game either at home uh, by myself with family, a couple friends, or maybe I'll go to a bar and. You know, have a couple, get some wings or whatever, watch the game there. I just don't like being in the stadium for the game. Lots of reasons. It would take me sure. forever to go through all of them. But my my family, my my wife, uh, my son, my daughter, um, they tailgate and, and they what they typically do is they they'll Uber to the stadium back and forth. We live close enough that it's you know that's relatively cheap to do that. Anyway, when we played the Raiders a home opener uh two weeks ago, my son went with his girlfriend, they Ubered back and forth. And he's, he got all the way up to, I know people are listening or watching how well you know the area, but um, Reed's Jewelers, like on Mile Strip and Abbott, yep. and they got all the way with no traffic from the Uber driver, a little mm-hmm. bit past that to the stadium, which is pretty good. Yeah. So this game, I went, it was about quarter to nine. And this time, like I said, my, my son, his girl, uh, my daughter came over. And by the way, I dog sat for her and my wife. So they all wanted to go tailgate. They were coming back for the game. But I drove them to the stadium, or at least I should say towards the stadium. I barely got past Abbott and Lake Avenue before yep. it was already getting backed up. So mm-hmm. you could just tell there was more people, just not, not necessarily more people in the stadium because both games were sold out, but more people were there getting there early and yep. getting their party on 
this week, certainly than um than the Raiders game. And like I said, it just translated. I seen a lot of videos and stuff, and you could just hear the stadium. It was absolutely, oh, yeah. you know, it was electric. And in a couple of minutes, I got some takeaways. And again, you were there, you were covering the game. I want to get some of your thoughts as well. Let me ask you a question though, Joe. And I want an honest answer. And I'm okay. well, I know you all enough to know yeah. that I'll always get an honest answer from right. You. So I had Tone Pucks on the show yesterday. And of course, you know, the Bills, again, I said it right at the very top. They, for lack of better term, they just beat the shit out of the Dolphins. Yeah. And they've been beating the shit out of everybody over the last three weeks. You're a content creator, whether it's writing, whether it's doing maintenance day podcasts with you and Lance, whatever. You you do, a, you know, you're, you're on a million different shows. So yeah, yeah. lots of experience with you in that realm. <laughs> Tone told me, because it was all peaches and roses for the most part yesterday when you're wrapping up a game when the offense looks great and the defense looks great and the coaching looks great and you and it was same thing last week and it was the same thing two weeks ago mm-hmm. it got to a point where it was just like he says it's boring it's boring <laughs> to to cover not for a fan yeah. to root for their team yeah that's awesome mm-hmm. but when you're talking about a team and they're just going out there and running rough shot over everybody after a while, it's, it's kind of boring as a content creator. You kind of mm-hmm. want some critical things that you could dig into. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you kind of feel like that, like winning if you're covering a team and you're talking about a team that like winning the way they are as a content creator is, is almost like boring. We got nothing to fight about, nothing to really be <laughs> harsh about it. And that makes shit boring. What's your thought? I, you know, I, I can see, I can see that angle of it because it's just kind of like, well, we're smoking everybody. What's the big deal? Like, no, no, you know, ain't no thing. You know, I would still be poison brain that I am. I'd still be like, well, we still lost the first game. I'd still be pissed about that. Ah, Three and one bullshit should be four and oh, blah, blah, blah. Still being mad about that. But like, right. It's, this is, this is one where. I, I I guess I mean maybe this is like the semi old mind media mindset that I've got is the best thing you can the best thing you can have when covering a team is either either have them be top tier, absolute top list, or in the absolute pit. Yeah, anywhere like in that middle range. Like if they're just like bad but mediocre, but like not work, you know first pick in the draft bad, like they're just kind of sure. middling bad. That kind of sucks. If they're good, but like there's no threat of either winning the division or missing the playoffs, you're just kind of like, well, you're you're on autopilot to the playoffs, that kind of thing. That's a little boring. It's you know, I, it. I, I think when when you've got a really top level team, though, I you know, and it's still ridiculously early. Like we're what four or four games into the year, so like whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um. And it still feels early, even though that's like a quarter of the schedule, you know, you know, for the, at least for the NFL, you're like, yeah. we're the way through. So four, four games is a lot and kind of a big deal. But, um, but I, 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 I get that kind of mindset. Um, but I think, I think that's a special thing for the bills though, because there, there, what, there's no threat of missing the playoffs with this team. They're like, you open the season, like they're going to the playoffs. Let's just get there. So this whole time, this whole 18 games leading up is just kind of, you know, if you're a content creator, if you're somebody who likes to make videos or podcasts or whatever it is, you're just kind of spinning your wheels going like, all right, can we just get the fucking playoffs already? Like, can we just get, can we just get there? It's the important stuff. Like, cause they're going to make the playoffs. They, they should win the division. You know, they, you know, home field, I guess is, is probably the main thing to keep a, keep the, you know, the eye on the prize. But, um, but yeah, there, there's not, they're not really under the gun right now. Like, you know, maybe you're, you know, maybe you, you zero in on, you know, uh, 
you know, maybe Allen, you know, MVP race for Allen or, you know, any of, you know, maybe, you know, somebody on the defensive side becoming like a big time, you know, big time breakout guy, maybe, you know, like a Russo or Oliver, whatever. Um, you know, maybe you find these little battles to pick up or these little causes to kind of, you know, to get fired up and, and, and write about, make videos about and do whatever. But like the big picture, you're just waiting until the middle of January, you know, you're just, yeah. it, which kind of sucks because you're just, you're, you're wishing away the whole season. The whole season's fun. Like the NFL season's fun as hell. Like it's a game a week, you get geared up for it, you get fired up and then it's, you know, you're dramatic leading up into and out of it. Like that's fun. But for this team, I get it. I get being just kind of like, can we just get on with this already? Please. <laughs> I understand. Well, I, I think tone tones, um, Tone's place where he was coming from was like on yesterday's show. He likes to be combative with me. That's part of like our, our okay. stick. We've known each other for 30, 35 years. So he's just looking mm-hmm. for something to bitch at me about disagreeing, you know, lock right. in so we can kind of debate a little bit. But anyway, it would be like, well, this guy looked great and this went great. And he's like, yeah, I got to agree. I got to agree. You know what I mean? After a while, like this shit is boring, man. We want to, <laughs> we want to fight about some shit. And there's just the bills ain't giving you nothing to, uh, to, to fight about. These last couple of weeks. See the, the the way you can take it though, and like I I know it was like a total goof thing on SNL going way back, going back to the eighties. Do the whole super fans thing, you know, like the, the Bears, like you know Mike Ditka versus you know versus the New York Giants, like uh, Ditka one hundred and seventy five Giants minus ten, you know, like that's almost yeah, like yeah. The kind of stuff you can do to just kind of screw around with with this Bill season because any of these games that get with some of these loser teams stick around with it just be like yeah I, I ate 50 wings i had 90 blue lights and uh oh boy i gotta oh boy i gotta go to the bathroom you know like yeah. turn it into something kind of stupid like that but you know it, it's i don't know you, you're never lacking for something to keep the attention of bills fans there's always something there's sure. always always always, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always always something and you know it, it the the thing I, I guess the thing that gets me is the it's it, Bills. There, there's there are some Bills fans that can't help but be aggrieved by something every week. Whether it's you know, I mean, it's it's pretty easy with the whole Kelsey and Taylor Swift thing. I think everybody's kind of like, all right, we get it. They're going out. Shut up, <laughs> thing. But like, it's the attention paid to other teams. Like, why are they paying attention to us? And I'm like, yeah. well, you just hate the national talkers anyway, so you're not even watching them. And then you're just when you do watch it, they're talking about somebody, not the bills. And then when they do talk the bills, you're like, they're wrong about this one thing. And I hate them for it. You know, it's, it, it's always getting mad at something that's, you know, kind of out of their control. Well, let me preface this by saying this episode, there's just a whole shitload of positive developments to talk about both on the mm-hmm. bills and on the saber side. And we're going to yes. at least sit on some of that here in, in the minutes to come on this episode. But the one singular uh, dark cloud hanging over Sunday, which was really unfortunate. And again, you were there. You were covering the game. Trey White, and it was shortly, you know, we're taping this Monday around supper time. Uh, It's official what we all kind of feared and expected. Trey White did tear his Achilles, and uh, his season is over. I got to tell you, man, from forget football for a second forget football for for a second man the human element of all this right now makes me physically almost to the point of being sick uh mm-hmm. it is it, the guy comes back he tears his acl he works his ass off and i'm telling you 
if there was one narrative that I heard all offseason from players, a couple that I've talked to and some, you know, that I have at least a little bit of a relationship with or just read and hear from other people too, how hard he's worked, how hard he worked to get back to a level of what he was. He came back last year from the ACL and at late last year, he was a shell of the player that he was. He worked so hard and he was playing at that level again. He had a great training camp, looked good in the preseason. Very good start to the regular season and then this non-contact injury. And I'll tell you, man, the perspective on it, again, taking the football away from it. I've gotten to know a couple players here and there. Uh, one particular, I talk about them all the time, my, my family friend, Damone Harris, who's with mm-hmm. the uh, Atlanta Falcons right now. Um, I know how hard they work. I know, you know, I've learned what they sacrifice, what they have to commit to play at this level and all the shit that they got to endure and all the pain that they go through and the sacrifices that they make with their family and just so many things to play football at the highest level in the world. And that's what I kept thinking about when I saw when he, like the moment when you, you knew, I mean, you were in the press box, we watched it on TV. We all saw, we all knew he started shaking. He was very animated. And then eventually he goes out on the ground. He knew right away he tore it. I mean, there was no question. He threw his yeah. helmet the whole team came around him. Just my 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 heart legit. And you know, so, oh, I'm so heartbroken for this. So heartbroken. I am. I am heartbroken for the guy, not just because the Bills lost their best cornerback by far, but mm-hmm. also because you know they lost for this season, at least for sure. They they've lost um part of the heart and soul of this football team. And just by all accounts. Anyway, I've never heard somebody say a bad thing personally about Trey White ever. I've never heard it before. Mm-hmm. You know, just a, a great human being and a guy who's dedicated himself to getting back to where he was. It was legit heartbreaking, man. It's just fucking terrible. I, I hate it. Yeah, it was. I saw him throw the helmet and I immediately was like, oh, no. And then mm-hmm. I, you, know, you watch the replay and, you know, it didn't take much of an amateur doctor to understand what had happened there. Non-contact mm-hmm. injury. He just pulls up and then. Once he started crow hopping on one foot uh, with one foot, I was like, "Oh man, that's." that's I mean, we didn't see it, it. We didn't necessarily see the same thing happen to Rogers that first that first game. That was just kind of like a weird, weird mm-hmm. thing. And then we just see him. I just saw him hopping up and down. I'm like, dude, if that if his knee gave out, he would have crumbled to the ground. But the Achilles, it's like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, I can't move yeah. my foot. You know, like nine contact injuries sucks. To, yeah, yeah, he's just trying to keep up with. I forget who he's running. With. I don't know if it was Waddle or if it was. Uh, Hill or whoever, but or Barrios, but he was, you know, just staying with him step for step, and then he just pulls up and starts high. So you're like, oh man, I know you know exactly what the injury is, and yeah, you know, he goes off on the card, and you're like, come on, man, give this guy a break. You know, it's you know, I don't do a ton of Bill stuff, but I know, but I, you know, I've seen him around. Like he came around Sabres one time years ago, the whole, you know, Trey White. The whole goalie. Yeah. Doing that stuff with like Carter Hutton and, you know, Marty Baron and those guys. Like that was fun. And he's just such a, I don't know, eminently likable guy. Like you, NFL's got a ton of guys that you just immediately take to because they're just like, oh man, this dude is just having fun. He's having a ball out here. Trey White's that guy. Like he's just always having a good time. And he's a fierce competitor. He's a great, you know, great corner, great everything. And it was, this was the year where I was like, all right, let's see how, let's see how much he's come back from that knee, from the knee. Because last year it was kind of, eh, it's a little iffy. You know, he came back like halfway through the year. Yeah, he, it wasn't hard. Like that's hard. And knee injuries are really hard. Achilles though, man, like you're a corner and a, coming back from an Achilles, that's going to be really hard for him. And 
whenever he comes back, if it's next year or if it's he's might two years, who knows? Achilles, Achilles are wicked, wicked bad injuries. And you know, second guy with an Achilles just in Buffalo. I mean, Jack Quinn get you know injured his back in the you know in summertime, and we're not seeing him until January with the Sabers, and now Trey White with this. Demands are, you know, it, physical demands of football are just so wicked. And for a guy who has to be top speed always to do his job, man, right. I, I just hope he can come back and play well and, and, you know, have it, you know, be good with everything because you, you want to see that guy, you want to see him succeed. You want to exactly. see him do well. You know, some of these athletes and of various sports for various teams, they're great players or whatever, but they're kind of assholes in real life. And it's just how right. it is. It's like that in any career, though, in any profession. You know, it's not just limited mm -hmm. to sports and professional athletes. But yeah, in this case, man, legit prayers for him that he can become fully healthy and get back again and that his career isn't ruined because of first the knee, now the Achilles. I said it time and time again over the summer. Training camp, the two things that I noticed more than anything else was, A, I thought Gabe Davis just looked on another level compared to what he looked like over the last couple of years, and Trey White. And the battles he was having daily at camp with uh, Stefan Diggs. It was just entertaining. It was fun to watch. And, you know, I know a lot of fans sometimes will give the media some shit because, you know, it can range from thinking that they're a homer for their team to, or that they're just too nice, you know what I mean, that they don't ask the tough questions and they're, too soft on the team. Let's just put it right. that way. Not necessarily a fan of the team, but they're too soft. We hear that all the time. This is a case where if you're in the media, I don't give a shit who you are, man. Be public about it. So you're, it's okay to say how you feel about Trey White as the person. If you're Capaccio, Perino, whoever it is that's covering this team right now, and you're going to write up good things about him, good. You should. You've covered hockey. Can you think of somebody, maybe not to this extent, but I'm, I'm sure there's guys that you've covered that you genuinely grew to like as a human being, that you see them suffer an injury, maybe not quite this significant, but certainly serious injuries and kind of break your heart a little bit because you've gotten to know these people on a personal level besides just what you see on TV every week. Yeah. The the first guy that comes to mind for me is, is Tage Thompson, honestly. Um, you know, I interviewed him when he was uh, here during the NHL Combine, you know, his draft year. Uh, you know, because the combine happens in Buffalo. So you're, you're talking to everybody. And I was with NHL.com at the time. And I remember interviewing him because we knew he was going to be a first round pick. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's, you know, he's a young 18 year old kid. He's playing college hockey at UConn. And, you know, his dad was a dad was a coach in the AHL. So it's, it was like one of those like slam dunk kind of stories to do, but he was just like such an excited kid and doing yeah. all that. And then, you know, the trade happens and he, and he winds up out here and it was kind of cool to see him, you know, come back and was like, all right, well, this, is, this will be neat. Let's see how he does. And, you know, the hype machine wasn't really there for him. You know, even though he was a first round pick, there wasn't like a lot of like, you know, oh, this guy's going to be, this guy's going to be a player. This guy's going to do that. Cause he didn't put up giant numbers in college. He put okay numbers up like that was fine. But right. then you know, he comes here and, you know, the, you know, from him, you know, adjusting to, you know, growing, so quick the way he did from like age 16 to 18 i mean he he grew like six inches six seven inches like it was crazy you know he wasn't always a six foot six six foot seven guy he used to be like six foot six one and then suddenly you know he you know gets a little bit older and he's you know one of the biggest guys in the nhl now and he's trying to adjust to that on the fly and couldn't keep weight on couldn't do well you know is trying to stay stronger but like your body's not cooperating because you're still growing up you know you're still like you're yeah. 19 20 years old stuff takes time sometimes and then you know he injures his shoulder you know, the late that game against chicago and then you know he's just out for the next year yeah, i think it was just about a year and you just fell for him because like nothing was going right you know that trade 
you know, every, everybody kills the trade, you know, right at the time, rightfully so, you know, they took like a secondary package from St. Louis for a guy who ended up winning the con Smythe and got St. Louis's Stanley cup. Yeah. yeah. Looks pretty bad. And Tage got a lot of the heat for that because he was the main, the main prospect piece in that. And everybody's like, well, this guy better be really fucking good. Right. Well, took a little time, took a, took a, took a new coach, took the whole thing, but, but now he's, now he's, he's a superstar like he's a superstar player so it's really it's really nice to see things like that happen with guys that have been through it you know they've dealt with some of the stuff they've gone through it and uh you know in tage's case it was just it was just amazing just to see this guy go from being like you know maybe he'll hang around the nhl for a while to being like wow he's a top of top of the charts superstar in the league it's crazy yeah um well you know he's had tage i'm talking about to this mm-hmm. point a happy ending, so to speak, from where he was and what he went through. And at this point, you know, I'm a sucker for a happy ending. So I really hope that ends up being the case for Trey White. Down the road, we'll talk a little, and it's no given. I mean, even physically, if he recovers, hopefully he will. But, and this is just something for down the road to talk about. But his age, which is not old, but the injury history now, which is really significant, and his cap figure for the Bills after this year. There's lots of factors who knows if that was his last down with the Buffalo Bills? We'll talk about that in the future. I certainly hope not, and I'm sure nobody wants to see that right now yeah. in Buffalo either, but it is something that you must uh, keep in mind. By the way, completely unrelated, but you did mention Taylor Swift. I just got to throw this out there. Just <laughs> right before we were starting to tape, I saw this shit. The Taylor Swift rub is still real. And by the way, yeah. for people who are saying rub, what do you mean? It's a wrestling term. You give somebody yeah. the rub, you mm-hmm. know? Um. Anyway. I looked it up. Her, most viewers on uh, Saturday Night Football last night, they played the Jets. Most viewers this season since the Super Bowl, three million more than last week. Jeez. So she is, people are the Swifties who might not even know shit about football. They want to see her. They want to get a glimpse of her in the press box, which mm-hmm. God only knows you see that enough. But um, <laughs> three million more viewers last night. And they ain't there to watch Zach Wilson play quarterback. That's no. not what they're doing. <laughs> they're not tuning no. in for... Uh, for that shit, so I, I didn't know, even man. tune into the game because I didn't want to see Zach Wilson play a quarterback. I don't care who. I don't. <laughs> he played pretty well, though. To be fair, he did play pretty well. Zeppelin on at halftime. I probably don't even want to watch the game, man. Oh, the, I, I can tell you what, Pat Mahomes played like shit. The the, the Jets absolutely, yeah. uh, they should have won that game. But yeah, when that's, it comes to Jets Taylor, like man, to drag teams into the mud. That's that's going to be their style the rest of the season. Just yeah, if yeah. you want to be bad, we're going to take you down with us. Yeah, they, and, they, and they are, and they did. Again, they they did lose the Jets. I feel like even though the Jets were the underdog, I still feel like the Jets actually blew that game. It's like the yeah. Jets lost that game more than Kansas City won. Anyway, um, I want to get into a couple of Buffalo Bills takeaways. Then I want to talk some savers with you. And uh, the big one, let, let's just start with Josh Allen. You know, there's so many things we could, so many places we could go. Mm-hmm. But uh, that first game against the Jets, all right? And listen, I think you know me well enough to know that I'm definitely not above criticizing the shit out of anyone on this football team. I'm not a homer. Sometimes people think I am. I get it. I understand. And uh, I'm also not adverse to the national media ripping someone a new ass when I feel like it's deserved. Mm-hmm. But it's like that Jets game, he got buried oh, in the yeah. national media. And, I'm, and I mean, like to a point, like, come on, man. It was one. Even I'm thinking it's like yeah. it's one game and against a defense that over the last three years or so has just had his number. The Jets mm-hmm. just. And played really good against Josh Allen. Yep. And 
He has shown over these last three weeks, and I could do a whole podcast just on how good he's been. I'm going to put this up. If you're watching on video, this is on uh, the screen here. His last three games, 76.6 completion percentage, 812 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, one interception. And that one interception was a third down bomb against Washington that essentially mm -hmm. was a punt that pinned him. Arm punt. And a, and a 125.8 quarterback rating. And the Bills have averaged 41 points a game over the last three weeks. This guy has went from overrated hype machine that's just dating celebrities to quite literally, and I'm not even exaggerating here, probably the front runner right now to win MVP of the NFL. If MVP voting was right now after four weeks, he'd be top two or three. Absolutely, without question. He has just been sensational. Dude, you were there. You covered the game. Yeah. Four incomplete passes. I'm just, I'm just for about MV, talking MVP four weeks into the season. That's all. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah no, no, no. I, that, that is funny. No, no. You're not wrong about that. But my point is, is just what a turnaround has been for him. He literally accounted for more touchdowns yesterday than incomplete passes, or I should mm -hmm. say on Sunday. And uh, one or two of those incomplete passes could have been caught. He's yeah. just been absolutely ridiculous. And uh, it continued on Sunday. He's just seeing the whole field. He's checking down. He's being aggressive when it's time to be aggressive. He's just, I don't know, man. He's just, he's playing at the level that if you're a Bills fan, you need him to be at because yeah. there's not many players in the NFL that could do what he's doing right now. I was I was joking around in week one watching some of the, the routes they had Diggs running in that game. And I was like, cool. They gave him Cole Beasley's, you know, uh, receiving tree. Like, here, just five yard ins, five yard outs, just, you know, just get open underneath. And I'm like, I don't know that's going to work, man. But, uh, <laughs> but like, they've extended it a little bit now where it's, he's getting open 10, 15 yards down the field and, and getting open underneath. And just, I mean, felt bad, felt bad for Miami's corner yesterday. Like, uh, he, Oh, that number four, dude, he got cooked. I he, know. You know, full marks to him. I spoke to him after the game, and he was just kind of like, he's like, hey, man, sometimes you have bad games. He's like, if I let one bad game, you know, get in my head, like, I'm going to have the worst season possible. He's like, whatever, you know, guy's mm -hmm. good. Like, what do you want? Maybe fix my technique. I'm like, okay, cool, man. Like, yeah. good, full marks, man. You owned it. He's like, he's like, yeah, man, he's good. Like, you know, but I could have done, I could have been better. It's like, Yes. Yes. You oh, you were in the Miami. Oh, were you in the Miami locker room, yeah. or did you talk to Miami players after the game? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me talk. Let me ask you this, because I can. <laughs> no one, you know, Bills reporters. Let, let me cut you off from the Josh Allen yeah. takeaway. I forgot that actually you were talking. You were there to cover the Dolphins. <laughs> you weren't there to cover the Bills. What was right. that vibe like? What was the mood in that locker room after? Just quite frankly, just again getting the shit out of them in a game that a lot of people thought they were going to win. What was that mood like? Well, you know what? It was it was interesting. Like there were guys weren't like nobody was like throwing helmets or getting pissed or any of that stuff. Like everybody was pretty cool, yeah. considering you know it's a four touchdown loss. Like that that doesn't look good. You know it's forty eight twenty. Look, <laughs> got your ass beat on you know uh, in front of everybody. But uh, I spoke with uh, safety Brandon Jones, who made his first start since uh, what like October last year. Yeah, he blew out his knee last season with with Miami. And he had a very reasoned approach where he goes, he goes, you know what, you know, get, get taught a lesson like that. You know, maybe some guys in this room really needed that, you know, you win 70 to 20 the week before and everybody's getting all high off of that. You know, you start getting, you know, this is me saying this now you, you get high on your own supply. Some sure. guys start thinking like, ah, it's going to be easy. Like we're going to roll everybody, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, whatever we got, you know, they came out taught us a lesson today. We'll, you know, we'll, 
we'll learn from it. We'll we'll move ahead. You know, we got we got a whole season ahead of us here. You know, it's easy. But the main thing they said was like probably good we got this out of the way. This happened early because if they, we, you get smacked around like this, like say week ten, week eleven, then you're like, oh boy, are we fake? Are we like are we totally yeah. funny? Like what's going on here? But it's you know I. I, I didn't look at the, at the this game in this perspective, but like this was like almost a must-win game for Buffalo, considering, you know, yeah. because they lose, you're talking like okay, well then they're then they're two and two, both losses are in the division, ones two against back. a team that's now four and zero oh, ahead of them, and you're like uh oh, you know then God help lost at home. Discussion, to Miami. The discussion is here the day after if they lose to Miami, everybody's like meltdown city, but uh, but Miami was just kind of like you know what. First loss, yeah, they they handed it to us. They put it on us, like you know, they they did their job. But you know, it good. It happened early. Some guys needed this, so you know, we'll just move on. And you know, we got one more game with them later this year. And I'm like, well, it's week 18. There might not be anything to play for that way. <laughs> you know, like you might, you know, there might not be a division on the line. There might not be playoffs on the line. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe the game will be for the division. Who I, you don't know. It's gonna be the last week of the year. Who knows? But um, but everybody's really cool. Like I was. You know, even even um, Mike McDaniel was just kind of like he's like, yeah, you know, didn't look good for us. That's for sure. It's like he was he was not he was not happy with his defensive play, but he's you know did the classic you know the classic every NFL coach. Well, you know, there's a lot. Of, I got to look back at the tape. I got to see you know really evaluate performances. Blah 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 blah. Like whatever. But um, but yeah, everybody was pretty measured. Everybody's pretty cool about it. So that that kind of surprised me because I know in my mind, and maybe this is like you know, being around Buffalo Bills fans and like the mindset of Bills fans where every game is like war, kill, must win. You know, these guys were just kind of like, yeah, well, you know, we got 13, you know, even the, even the corner there, he goes, we, we got what, 13 more games. He's like, he's like, man, we'll, you know, we'll get some stuff figured out here. Well, you know, we, there's nothing to get like crazy about yet. And I'm like, well, it's very measured. That's very, it's very sensible, mature way to do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You know, right before the break, you brought up a, a point, uh, quoting Brandon Jones, and, and then your own thought as well. And that is a good way to take it. If you're a Miami fan right now, you know, there's a lot of people probably nationally on these talk shows this week. A lot of fans that probably say Miami's a fraud. You know, they, they ran over shit teams, came to Buffalo mm-hmm. and, and got shellacked. You know, Josh is your daddy, yada, yada, yeah, yada, yada. Yeah. Just like with the Bills in week one, they lose to the Jets. They play like mm-hmm. shit offensively anyway. Yeah. And this team has got issues. They're not the best team in the division, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Point being, and I do believe this, I feel like, uh, Tony Romo said this on the broadcast. He said that he thinks that the Bills losing week one was the best thing that could have happened to them mm-hmm. because it made them look themselves in the mirror and re-examine a lot of things that yep. this is, you, you ain't going to play football like this and be good. Maybe for Miami, kind of the same deal. You know, you're, you're a little bit, like you said, <laughs> before the break, high on your own supply. Mm-hmm. Well, what better way to get humbled than to go into your divisional rival that you're trying to overtake and just get curb stomped over the last two and a half quarters because Miami right. came out and it was a, a great game yeah. early on. But, uh, yeah, that's a great point, man. You you brought up a great point there. Look, we were talking Josh Allen at one point before I cut you off. I started asking you uh, about that. <laughs> we could talk about Josh for days, man. Just like we could talk about Stefan Diggs for days, too. I mean, this yeah. guy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, Joe, where when he didn't want to be here. You know, when he mm-hmm. wanted out, yeah, I'm joking, <laughs> obviously. All of three weeks ago. Yeah. Get get out of you know, he, that, I forgot the guy's name. I don't have the notes in front of me and I don't care enough to, to dig it up. I, I feel I'm disrespecting an NFL player right now, but that number four from Miami just got cooked. He yeah. cooked him mm-hmm. so bad. That had him blunder a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I want to, what I want to, a takeaway that I have again, Josh is great. Stefan's great. We, we, we know that shit, man. I'm going to tell you right now, the unsung hero, and I want to take 100% of it and divide it into five uh, pieces at 20% each. The Bills' offensive line over the last three weeks has been so good. I mean, Max Crosby, they took him out of the game. He was never a factor in that game. Chase Young in an unbelievably talented Washington front four. Say what you want about the commanders, but that front four is for real. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And then you go into this game and you got Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb. I said this on my show yesterday. I legit for long stretches of the game forgot that the Bradley Chubb was even on the team or that Christian Wilkins. I knew he was on the team, but he did nothing, man. This offensive line collectively has really gotten their shit together. Maybe more than any unit on the team since that Jets game. They're mm-hmm. protecting fine. They're protecting great. Their run blocking has been fine. Yep. It's just been fun. If you're a Bills fan, fun to see this offensive line to me, and especially uh, Deion Dawkins. This guy was a pro bowler two years ago. I thought he was overrated and kind of borderline was a, a liability to the offense at times last year, quite frankly. This year, 
his grades, his PFF grades, everything that all supports. He's just been great, man. I'm, I'm fucking yeah. rambling here. The offensive line, Joe, the offensive line has been a very, 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 to me, pleasant surprise. All of them, including Spencer Brown. Yep. Yeah, I, I'd i say if there was anybody you wanted to pick on, it'd be Brown because he's taking some kind of dicey penalties. Sure. But it's not a ton of them. Like, maybe yeah. like one a game. Like, he's doing the Jerry Hughes thing, like one bonehead penalty game. Sure. You know, throwing, throwing it back in the day. But, but yeah, no, Lions, Lions played really well. Yeah, Dion's been very good. Um, and I, you know, I think it, some credit to that goes to Dorsey too, because I think some of the some of the run play, you know, oh. trying to trying to balance things, not yeah. balance it, because you want to throw the ball. Like you got Allen, you throw the ball. That's what you do. But um, but the way Cook and Murray and those guys are mixing it up and and kind of keeping some defenses a little bit honest about it, mm-hmm. I think that that's helped out too. Um, you know, one of the things I was looking at from the Miami side yesterday was Brandon Jones, you know, getting his first start. And so I was watching him a lot the first few series just to kind of see how they used him, what he was doing, and like how how Miami's defense was setting up. And um, you know, he he's known to be more of like a, a blitzing safety, you know, a guy who wants to get in the backfield, do these kinds of things, but they were changing up the looks a lot. Like they're, you know, they go from a cover two to a cover one to just a man to man, like doing all these different kinds of things, trying to, trying to, you know, keep up with what, you know, Buffalo was lining up with. But, um, but that, but the Bills were able to kind of keep everybody off balance a little bit because this, the second they'd set up into like a, you know, like a cover two and the safeties are dropping back, Cook's running up, you know, off guard or off tackle. And then they're, they got to come in and then, you know, they're giving up, they're coming up with like the same look. And then, you know, there's, and a couple of guys like you know jumping routes underneath, and then they're like, "Oh crap, here we go!" Or they're bringing five wide, and then the safeties have to pick a guy to cover. You know, they don't have you know. There's no choice. I mean, you can run a dime out there. You still got to cover the wide out. So it was very interesting. And the other thing I noticed, though, I noticed Jones was doing a lot of spying on Allen, which is smart because he can run. Uh, but there was a few plays where like it was a cover play, but like everybody else is in man, but Jones was just sitting playing home base keep making sure Allen didn't get flushed out of the pocket. And I thought that was really interesting just to kind of watch those, di- those little things when you can kind of hyper-focus sure. on somebody for, for something, because, you know, the, you know, again, like inside, inside baseball, inside football, I guess they, you know, the news side of it was like, Oh, let's see how Brandon Jones does in his first start. And if there's a story there to write, then do that. But yeah, it turns out the defense didn't show up uh, at all. And Jones <laughs> didn't have a great game. So, you know, just, it, you know, just kind of go after about how bad the, how, how bad the D was, but, but I mean, the Bills did so much adjusting on the offensive side that it just kept Miami off balance. And I don't think their D line or any of their any of their pass rushers or, or just their rushers in general really got in any kind of rhythm because the Bills are just kind of changing it up a lot. You're you just you segued into what I think is for me personally, maybe the my biggest takeaway from this game, my single biggest takeaway in a game full of a lot of them. The Bills coaching was just it was superb Ball on both sides of the ball. Ken Dorsey kept things mixed up. Um, that first touchdown when it culminated in that throw to Gabe Davis, man, that was just, you mm-hmm. can't execute. You can't dial up plays better than that. They were nope. just, I don't know what it is, but the, the offensive play calling. And quite frankly, I don't think the offensive play calling other than a second and 15 running overtime against the jets. Mm-hmm. I think Ken Dorsey has been good this whole season. Uh, that was a bad call in overtime. But aside from that, right. that Jets game was just bad execution. Josh just mm-hmm. made a lot of stupid-ass mistakes, man, straight yep. up. Um, yeah, he's been great. And I'll tell you what, man, Sean McDermott on the defensive side. The Bills mm-hmm. have played four games, and they've played good on defense four times. 
They've yep. been superb on defense. I want to pull up a tweet from Joe Marino from uh, Lockdown Bills. Let me read this to you. According to, to Fantasy Points, outstanding data suite, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tolagalova threw, threw to his first read 80.2% of the time in weeks one through three. In week four against the Bills, Tua went to his first read on 57.1% of his throws. Great job by McDermott's D, forcing Tua to work deeper into progressions. Mm -hmm. That, to me, stood out huge. Tua likes that timing, that quick. He, yep. he gets rid of the ball faster than anyone in the NFL, and it wasn't even close coming into this game. Mm -hmm. But on Sunday, the Bills, and again, I'm not too so much of an X's and O guys. I can't explain all these concepts and all these fancy terminology with defenses. But what I can tell you is that McDermott was switching up things so much. Mm -hmm. They were confusing the uh, – they were rushing different guys. They didn't blitz that much, but they yep. were bringing different guys, dropping different guys back, playing different coverages, um, not showing their hand pre-snap. It was just – it was a difficult day for Tua. He was going – having going to a second and third reads. They got to him. They were getting pressured on him. Just Sean McDermott, to me, our buddy Nate Gary, he tweeted this. It was like uh, going to coaching camp. This was – if you're going to go to a coaching camp, this is what you'd want to see. Mm -hmm. Just – Man, coach, it was great. Yeah, and I would be very. I'm really curious the breakdown of that 57 percent number from mm -hmm. the game because I would bet anything, 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 anything. All of the all of the numbers that like helped knock that down to 57 happened after the second touchdown series from Miami because that's when uh, they adjusted and they started jamming every yeah. receiver at the line. Yeah. Uh, and bringing an extra guy into rush after uh, Tua, and they played a lot closer to the line because it was very. I mean, I say it's very easy, easy for me sitting in the press box or you know anybody sitting at home watching it from the couch. But you could tell every play was a timing was a timing play, and yeah. you know I, I know Ty Dunn pointed this out. I think it was after Miami's second touchdown where it was just a beautifully run play, like a perfectly run timed out play that like this this guy was going here this guy's going there and then you know uh what was it achan, achan. was just able to kind of like walk into the end zone it was like yeah that was all done because everybody had the time to to make that work and the bills were just kind of like kind of going along with it and like being like well, i don't know you know because let, let let's be real here any other time in the past most other times i can't say every other time that's ridiculous but any a lot of the times in the past any time tyreek hills on the other side of the ball they play terrified of him. Like they play him way off the ball. They're like, we can't let this guy get behind us. He's going to kill us. Blah, 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 blah. They didn't give a shit about that yesterday. They're like, whatever, jam him at the line. Can he get away from you? No. Like he's fast. But like if we jam him at the line, take away that timing and get in the backfield, two ain't going to fight him. Like it, it, he's going to have no time to get the ball to him. A couple times he did have that time and found him, turned into an uh oh moment. You know, I'm thinking about like he had the what, like a 25 yard catch uh, second half where he got free over the middle and you know, two was able to get free, you know, got free and found him. But that was kept to a very minimum. So it was just really smart adjustments by by McDermott and by the by the defensive coaching staff, because if they kept if they kept trying to go shot for shot with them, that game would have ended up being like 70 to 68 or something like that because, yeah. because the Bills weren't able to do much of anything to stop them on those first two drives. And then they stuffed them the one time and the Dolphins were like, oh, crap, they figured us out and they didn't know how to handle it. It was on the fly adjustments, too, because those first yeah. 
First five drives of the game between both teams, they were all touchdowns, and Miami scored two re- two really nice drives their first yeah. two. And then, like, that that uh, that switch flip. And you can tell one thing, from the opening whistle, even though Miami had great success early on, they were not going to let Tua or Waddle get behind those safeties. Mm-hmm. And, and there was not going to be one of those, here comes a 77-yard bomb to Tyree Kill who just outruns yeah. everybody. That was not going to happen on this Waddle day. Waddle was a non-factor all he game. He was. He had yeah, one catch and it got called back on a penalty or something? Or yeah, they yeah. He, another he, one later. Like, yeah. He was only held, he was held to four catches, and two of them were like in garbage time, essentially. Yep. He had less under 50 yards. Um, Yeah. After those first two touchdown drives, man, it was three and out, three and out, punt. Yep. And then the force fumble by Milano that Bernard got. So 12 mm-hmm. plays, 35 yards after those first two touchdown drives for the rest of the first half. And uh, I, again, I just, I, the coaching has been fantastic. But you know what, Joe, too? If you're going to have success on defense and you're going to take away a lot of things and play these different coverages, that's all fine and dandy. But your defensive line better come to play. Yep. And I'd say this <laughs> with confidence through a month, of, we're a month into the season. I don't know that there's a better defensive line in the NFL right now that's playing better than the Buffalo Bills. They're legit eight deep. Actually, I take that back. They're 90. Kaysley Jonathan had a nice play. He's the ninth defensive lineman on that active roster. Mm-hmm. He had a nice play on Sunday. Uh, I got to throw a shout out to one guy specifically because he's not a stack guy typically. Daquan Jones, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit, Daquan Jones. Um. We saw how important he was. We've talked about this. I know you and I have talked about this on the podcast mm-hmm. last year when he didn't play against the Bengals in the playoffs, how yep. much the Bills defense was suffered without him. So mm-hmm. we know his role and how important he is. But now he's getting sacks. He's getting pressures. Mm-hmm. He has the seventh best pass rush productivity for PFF in the entire NFL right now a yep. month into the season. Ed Oliver's played great. Greg Rizzo has played great all season, but hasn't gotten any sacks. Two of them came finally on Sunday. We know what Leonard Floyd's done. Oh, and by the way, Vaughn Miller's coming back soon too. Literally right. their best defensive lineman. So they're doing this without him. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. This defensive line just been, to me, the strength of the most consistent strength of this football team. And Daquan Jones is the leader of that. I know he doesn't get a lot of love around the league, but mm-hmm. he does in Buffalo, but not around the league. This dude is special, man. He is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and they they and they were and they were wise to take advantage of Terran Armstead going down too. Like they just kept blitzing that left that left side of the Dolphins line. Just mm-hmm. add another guy, not not even like blitzing, just like straight up rush four, and then somebody else would kind of like squeeze their way in, and then suddenly you know two is getting it. You know, uh, well he's left handed, so he's getting it right in his face. You know, guys blasting through the line, and he's just had nowhere to go, nowhere to go at yeah. all. And uh, you know, but uh, Epinesa almost almost had another stupidly good play there yeah 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 yeah. pass but um but yeah like yeah d-line was was everywhere yesterday uh, in that game on sunday they were really impressive and they just made life miserable like what it's like once they got that they got that first stop like the whole game changed because everybody like the dolphins guys wasn't like they got nervous or whatever but like you know monster monster put the ball on the ground a couple times they got it back the one time mm-hmm. and you know to didn't have any time you know to make his reads had to like make his third fourth progressions and by that time he's got a guy in his face so so yeah but like yeah to, total effort and the line the line made that happen Rousseau, i think had another it was outstanding I, he gets a lot of the attention anyways but um but he i thought he was excellent uh all game long yeah, I just I I can't tell you how impressed I was with uh, just the defense. And again, this is a defense that had nine sacks the week before. They dropped two or four times. Um, from what I seen from Tua, 
great quarterback, but it's all about timing, timing, timing. And I feel like the Bills are trying to flush him out because he doesn't he doesn't want to run. He, and understandably so. You don't right. want to run. He doesn't want to take hits. I I, I just mm-hmm. I, I felt the game plan on both sides of the ball for playing a team as explosive and as dangerous as Miami uh, was as good as it can get. And mm-hmm. they did as good as you can realistically do against that offense. And again, they just completely silenced Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb. They're too big. Jalen Phillips being out hurt them. But again, you can say Jordan Boyer didn't play for the Bills. So yeah. there was lots of, you know, no excuses there for Miami. Yeah. Like there'd be none for Buffalo. But uh, yeah, Wilkins, Chubb. Just, just say uh, the, uh, the the secondary part for from Miami with no Ramsey uh, and Xavier Howard. And the thing that got a lot of us were like, why, you know, why was Cater Coho continuing, you know, continuing to have to be on digs? And they were holding, and this is Vic Fangio's fault fault like whatever his whole thing was that the corners played their side so Xavier Howard is the left side corner and Cater Coho is the right side corner so Bills kept putting digs out to the out wide left and the Coho is on them and they're like don't you want Howard isn't Howard your best guy out there right now don't you want him like following digs all over the place and they were just like no that's not how we do things and I'm like Okay, <laughs> you have one quarter who's playing well. You know, Co- I mean, listen, you know, Co- hey, he handled it. You know, handled his business after the game well. That's fine. He didn't play well. He didn't I'm play good. well at all. And you know, these guys were getting shredded all over the place. And like, you know, Eli Apple wasn't even. Eli Apple was was a non. You know, was you know was scratched from the game because he hasn't played well at all. So like, you know, you're no Ramsey Howard stuck on the one side of the field where they kept putting digs away from. And you know, a lot of I mean, sometimes, I sometimes the problems are your own making. I think a lot of that was Miami's, yeah. But you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, well, man. Diggs was great. Dig, I mean, Diggs yeah, played great, he did, he was. I don't think Howard's that good. I, I think his best days are, are long behind him. He got cooked, yeah. by the way, on that on that Gabe Davis touchdown. Um, and, and the Bills had which, a lot of success against him last year. That play is set up by a coho with the uh unnecessary roughness penalty pushing, uh, yeah, who oh. was pushing him out, out, out of bounds late, like. Good on him for having the right attitude, Joe, after the yeah. game, talking to you Honestly, and saying yeah. the right things. Because if there was, was ever a game in his life where he might want to wish it never happened, it might have been uh, yeah. Sunday. I'm not. We're not going to talk about this today. I'll maybe I got a bunch of shows coming out later this week. What the Bills might do at corner, I think a trade is going to be in play for the Bills going forward. I really do. Just don't trust Kyrie Elam. I don't think the Bills trust him. Plus, Christian Bedford's got a little bit of a shoulder injury. Yeah. He's day-to-day. We'll talk about that, or I'll talk about that later in the week. Aaron Johnson got left the game at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was – I don't think that was too serious, but still. No, he, he, yeah, right. He, he came back. But the, the the last thing I wanted to ask if Bills related, and then I want to spend a couple minutes talking Sabres before we bounce. Um, not really a factor in the game, but still a big, 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 big moment to me was DeMar Hamlin being active. In mm-hmm. playing his first game, you know, I talked about a little bit on the show yesterday. I feel like someday when that movie gets written and it's going to happen, and this was like one of the culminations, you know, mm-hmm. his first game back. You know, this was like a big scene. This is going to be a very even if he didn't do anything during the game, a climatic scene in the in a future movie about Demar Hamlin just being all the way back again, being at the stadium. He didn't really they didn't get to chair for him during the game, but pregame, right. just him being out there and stuff like that. You can see the teammates, how excited they were for him mm-hmm. and how excited he was as well. That's just a great human. You know, Trey White getting hurt, such a shitty human moment to, to have to look at. But DeMar Hamlin being out there and dressed and playing in him, regular yeah. season game, just a great human element, great moment. 
Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome to see him see him back in uniform again because that's such a. I mean, that was such a scary, scary thing. And uh, yeah, it'll be an even bigger deal when he's when he's getting some you know, getting more action on the field and like gets to make that first play and yeah. gets gets to get that like out of the way because I know that's you know the, get those first few first few series under your belt. It's gonna be it's gonna be you're you're wound up tight tight. No matter what, until you get that get that done and get it taken care of, make that first hit, man. He'll be feeling good. You know, it's funny as I'm sitting there uh, wrapping up with, with Jill Yearning. It's um, I always tell well, we talk football often, but yeah, you know, to me, you're always the hockey guy. You and these kind of sidebar with some football talk. But you covering the game for, for Miami Arrow kind of made this like a still a very football centric uh, episode. I right. feel like I should pivot before we get out of here while I have you on the show again this week and actually <laughs> talk about something that you routinely cover. And that's, of course, right. the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, we are taping this again, dinner time ish on Monday. Mm-hmm. As of now, Zach Benson is definitely still on this roster. Mm-hmm. As of practice today, as you tweeted out numbers, which, by the way, thank you very much. You forced me to go on Google. <laughs> Joe was tweeting out the lines for Sabres practice. Too many lines, I, man. I don't know all the numbers well enough yet that I could <laughs> that I don't need Google. I know most of them, but, you know, right. there's still some prospects around and, and some youngsters. So I'm like, hold on. That's the right number. So ultimately, I ended up having to Google them because of you. So thanks a lot. But anyway, Zach Benson is on a line with Tage and Skinner, which he's played in still. during games. He's still there, and it's Monday, and it's October 2nd, man. The season starts in, in 10 days. Where are we at, man? Is this dude sticking around the start of the season? I know he could get up to nine games as kind of like an audition. Is he going to get that? What's your gut telling you right now? So this is this has become a complicated thing, uh, which is not what anybody everybody wants to hear. Yes, he's here. He's here to stay. He's going to play forever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is complicated right now. Uh, and you're not going to be surprised to hear this. It's because of goaltending. Um, they Comrie, UPL, and Levi are the guys. Like those are the main guys. They haven't ruled out the possibility of keeping three goalies. And Comrie has played extremely well in preseason. He's played super. He's you could argue he's been better than UPL has. Now UPL got put in a it was a bit of a tough game playing uh, outside London, Ontario. Uh, in the uh, the Hockeyville game, where he, you know he played forty minutes, gave up three goals. Um, you know, one was a bit fluky, weird. You know, took a funny bounce off his blocker. The other two were like two on one and a breakaway. Like, okay, that kind of sucks. You know, right. especially when it's you know Max Domi and John Tavares and those guys out on the ice, and right. you, know, you got a team mostly f- filled with you know guys that are going to be in Rochester, but um, but there you know didn't look great on the goals which what goalie looks good on goals against them nobody looks great with a goal against them unless you know it's whatever and they 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 I think we've gone over this before Comrie and UPL have to go on waivers if you're going to send them down right, right? yeah yeah you can't put UPL on waivers he's going to get picked up within 5 seconds of him being announced he's going to be on waivers he's 24 25 years old he's going to get picked up somebody else will pick him up and be like saber screwed this guy up he's our guy let's fix him and then you've potentially given away a guy who has like that kind of you know history in him where he can he can be damn good you might give away a starter to somebody for free and then that's bad news 
it's a big if. And Comrie, you can, you, I think you could wave Comrie and get away with it because I think his salary is too high for anybody who might want to pick him up to Adam. Like Tampa Bay, I don't think Tampa Bay could even pick him up. But Tampa Bay is going to be without uh, Andre Vasilevsky for the first two months. Uh, so I, and I don't think they can afford to add Comrie. Even Comrie's not making a ton of money, but it's enough so that a team like that couldn't just pick him up and be like, whatever, we'll keep him, you know, wave somebody else, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so if they have to keep three goalies, and I'll, mind you, they don't have to. They could wave wave one of them and say, you know, good luck. If you end up a Raj, great. If you don't, good luck to your new team. You know, good luck at your new team. I don't know that they want. I don't know that they're eager to pursue a trade for UP. You know, trading UPL, and I don't know that they're exactly over the moon to just run it with Levi and Comrie either. I think they like having that ability to be able to have those guys like kind of duke it out. But I don't know how you can send Benson back to juniors and and say that you're being a serious that you're serious about competing, you know, for yeah, you because know, he's been great. Four points in four games. He's looked not even looked out of place. You know, he's playing with the I mean, yeah, he's playing with Thompson and Skinner, but also he's earned the right to play with Thompson. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like they're just sticking him there because they're like, well, who else is he going to play with? Well, you can play him with cousins. You can play him, you know, play him with middle stat, whatever. Playing with those guys for a reason. It's because he fits in and he plays really well with them. And, you know, I asked Benson this after the Bruins game and he's like, he's like, he's like, oh man, those guys make it so easy for me. It's great. It's a lot of fun, blah, blah, blah. Like, great. That's, that's cool. I just don't know how you can, you can look well, you can't look Tage Thompson in the eye, but you can look up at him and try to look him in the eye and say, Correction. we're dead serious about playoffs, Stan- you know, Stanley Put Cup. Put your best four that. lines out there, your best 12 Correct. forwards. You got it. He's one of them. And, you, and you're confident even right now on Monday, October 2nd, yes. that right now Benson is one of your 12 best forwards on this roster right because now. Absolutely to me he is. Right now he is. Um but it's the roster thing because the guys, you know, the, the goalie thing aside, you still have eight defensemen that are going to, that originally were going to make the team. Do you wave Stillman? Do you wave Bryson? Do you risk losing one or both of those, you know, one, one of those guys to waivers? Cause you probably, probably will maybe not Bryson because again, money, you know, money costs or whatever, but also this team's not going to be giddy to be paying guys a ton of money to go play in Rochester either. Like there's that side of it as well. You know, Bryson makes like what 1.7 million against the cap. You have a guy making over a million playing playing in Rochester. I don't think so. Stillman makes like I forget how much Stillman makes, but like it's big money to be playing in Rochester. Like you don't want to have guys making making good money playing down there, and that applies to Comrie too. Like that's a lot of money for a guy to be playing in Rochester. And I'm, you know, Rochester doesn't have like a prospect goalie that they're you know, that they're trying to clear the decks for like that, that that's fine. Like you can have veteran guys down there playing like that's already going to be the setup anyways, but you have two options with Benson. He's either here or he's going back to Wenatchee. And I, I don't see, I don't see how clear conscious you can send him back to Wenatchee and say like, well, this is, this is exactly what he needs right now because he's playing well with your NHL players and looks like he belongs. It's, really hard to like i don't it, it it i don't know this is why kevin adams gets paid the big bucks because because if you have to have that conversation with be like listen man you're playing awesome we love the progress go back to Wenatchee, get 150 points this season and you know 
we'll see you again in April. I don't, I don't know how you can have that conversation and say, all right, well, who are you replacing him with in the lineup and saying like, uh, I don't know, pick a, you know, pick a guy's name and say like this, we're, we've got as good of a chance with this guy as we do with him. I don't, I don't know. It's a real, I mean, listen, they're deep. They are really deep. They got a lot of guys like, you're talking about losing maybe like a Brandon Byro on waivers because he's looked awesome. Like Byro's look really good. Um, you know, some of these other, you know, the other kids, like you sent him a rot, you're fine. But like, boy, oh boy, man. And like, if your solution is that like, well, Matt Savoy is going to be healthy soon and we're going to get him back into action and get him and give him his games, then I mean, I guess that's a good way to kind of, I don't know, move, move it down the road. But boy, oh boy, man, I, Benson's been so good. Well, I think it would be more clear cut. Let's just say if he played, if he's on the opening night roster and the rule was, all right, he's playing that first game. Now you just burned a year of his, of his rookie contract, but he could play nine games. So it feels like it should be cut and dry, but then you talked about something, which is like, literally I have it in my notes to ask you this word for word. It says, (laughs) I'm going to read to you what it says. My notes for Joe Yernan on the show today. It says not three goalies again, right? (laughs) <laughs> like I don't want that, okay? And no, and the goalies don't want it either. I, I guarantee want, that. I'm okay. I'm not. I don't want to lose UPL or Comrie, mm-hmm. but I can live with losing one of them. I just, I don't know, man. I'm not going to sit here and try to be hockey expert, or, but you know, I watch the games. I have an idea right. of what I'm seeing, and I know who I like and who I don't like. Mm-hmm. I'm not altering my roster and keeping one less forward or one less defenseman on my roster because I insist on having three goalies like we did last year, especially when ideally that one goalie, you're going to hope he's going to play 55 to 60 games at least Mm -hmm. for the Sabres this year. So screw that, man. If you got to wave Comrie or wave, even wave UPL, that's just my take, my opinion, my two cents on it. I don't want to have three goalies. Um, Zach Benson could play up to nine games for people who don't know. He could play up to nine Mm -hmm. games without burning a year of his contract. Ultimately, I'm I'm starting to get the, the the gut feeling, you know, not based on talking to anybody or a couple <laughs> of you and a couple others, but that, that that might happen. So the Lions have practice on Monday. Again, he's with Tajan uh, and Skinner. Mm-hmm. Tuckwood's playing with Middlestad and Greenway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cousins is centering Baturka and Olafson, yep. and then Krebs is as he usually is is centering with Akposo. In Gergesons, that's your fourth line. That's your, your you know, yep. your shutdown line. And Joe, Joe mm-hmm. seems to be like that 13th forward. At least they're in practice anyway, because he's making right. this roster. Well, I would argue anybody, any one of those three, Jost, uh, Byro, or or uh, Rusek, any one of those three could be your also be your 13th forward. I I I think that's the competition. Jost is probably in the lead, but Byro, I don't know, man. Byro's played really well, and. And he'd have to clear waivers. Like he would, he would, yes. Well, all well, Rusek. I don't. I don't think Rusek needs waivers. The other two would though. Right. Uh, and Joe. I mean, they got Joe off waivers last year. So now, if you uh, didn't keep, if you did, if if you did the unthinkable and you sent and you say, all right, Benson, you're not quite ready yet. Uh, we're not going to have you on this roster. And then Joe is one of the twelve forwards. And then you can still have Byro or uh, or Rusek to start the year, and they would be the thirteenth forward if you don't carry Benson. I just God, man, you better carry Benson if he's playing. And they still got two more games too, by the way. Of course, right? Yes. Two more preseason uh, games. Yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday night against Columbus in in Ohio, and then Friday night here against Pittsburgh. So yeah, you um, feel like these are really for, for for the sake of somebody like Zach Benson. These aren't just throwaway, you know, get ready for the season preseason games. Like for somebody like Zach Benson, 
it's pretty big. These preseason, assuming he's going to play in them both, I would assume he's going to. Yeah, I mean they they've got this. I mean they got the camp down to a pretty pretty even level right now. Like this is this is manageable for like the end of the end of training camp, um, and they'll wait till hell. They'll wait till like you know at the at the last possible second to send send anybody who's close who's really close to making the roster down like you know unless they unless they they're decided on like some guys right now and they're like all right get them to rotch because right. uh, Amherst camp just opened up on Monday on Monday afternoon so they're going there and they've got preseason games coming up this week so um but it's uh yeah they're gonna, they're not gonna, they're they won't be in a big hurry to send some you know put some guys over there's going to be a day this week where waivers are going to be like 9000 guys you know, getting sent, trying to get guys. To yeah, sure. But that's and that's like the perfect day to do it because everybody's basically got their their final twenty three decided. So then you can be like, whatever. Just if somebody picks them up and they think that guy's better than somebody that they're that they already were thinking they were going to keep, then all right, good luck to you. You know, good luck on your future endeavors. Go fill WWE with it. But you know, um, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, the way it's set up right now, I mean. <laughs> Benson's on your top line. <laughs> so let me keep looking let me ask, at it. Like he's on your first line. Let me ask you one more question about Zach Benson right now. Let's say that he does start the season and he's they're going to give him those nine games. And let's say that he doesn't exactly like light the world on fire in those mm-hmm. nine games, you know, where it's like there's just no way we could possibly send this guy back. Right. Right. He doesn't play at that level, but he plays steady to the point where like, He's one of the best 12 forwards on his roster still right mm-hmm. now, today. But is there a case that given his age and his size and his lack of experience, that maybe over the course, even if he plays nine games early on, but over the course of an 82 NHL game season against grown-ass men, you know, mm-hmm. bigger guys in the competition, that that just might really kind of wear him down big time. And then you are burning that first year of your rookie deal. So do you think it's possible that he can come? play nine games, and even if he plays well, they still send him down, which probably, not probably, it will piss off a lot of Sabres fans yeah. if that happens. But that's in play, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, 100%. That, that, I mean, that's that's always something that can happen because you can get an idea if that guy is ready mm-hmm. um, once you get into the actual rigors of the NHL season. Because right now it's it's kind of in half speed, 75% speed with, you know, because you're just practicing every day. And even like a road preseason game years your morning skate is at home and then you hop on the plane to you know to go fly and play and then you're right back afterwards but um but it's such a much different thing because you're playing against the best of the best right. <laughs> you know, when it's actual nhl games you you'll find out pretty quick and i like we've seen this happen in the past before you know i think uh sam reinhardt played a handful of games you know when he, after they drafted him and he got popped pretty nasty and like one of his first couple of games and then was like "Uh oh yeah no he ain't ready yet right he thinks he's gonna be able to pull some junior hockey stuff out here and he got trucked by somebody and and, like he was like deer in the headlights for most of the rest of that game and was like no he ain't ready he's going back which he was gonna go back anyways because they were tanking but it's not it's neither here nor there pat like that leave that alone (laughs) but um but but i mean yeah that that would absolutely be uh a possibility i mean it it, that that makes it, it makes it a tough conversation for any of the forwards that you're gonna either put on waivers or send back to Rochester and be like, hey, you're not making it now, but keep the legs fresh because in a couple of weeks you might be you might be back here, you know, just just to let you know, or keep fighting down there because th- there might be a phone call coming uh, down the road where you're you know you're gonna be the next guy up here when we you know when we get this you know see if Benson's ready or not, but um, 
but so much of what they do and you know the the size and strength thing is definitely something at the front of their minds granado's mentioned this a couple of times like you know it, but he but benson's been able to do things that um that make up for having for lacking in that that strength and that size so you know it's 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 telling us one thing but also saying something else where it kind of cancels it out so it's like i get it i get it, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, they gotta keep everything kind of kind yeah. of close to the vest with this so i understand but yeah it's i mean geez if he was if he was skating with like if he was not skating with Thompson, I would say I was like, I don't know, maybe he's just like holding, you know, place holding for somebody else. And then, you know, they'll do a couple other cuts and then, you know, he swaps out and that's that. He's playing with Skinner. And right. Thompson, and, they, you know, they've got talk with Middlestat and those two guys ended last season together and they were awesome. Like Middlestat was one of the best guys in the NHL the last month of the season. So like people are like, oh, Tuck's going to go back with him. I'm like, no, I think Middlestat and Tuck's the thing. So, um, but yeah, it's. I don't know, man. It's it's a very hard decision coming. I love that you keep going to, and you're right, that he's playing with Tage and Skinner. It kind of be like Bill's mini camp. If a receiver is looking great, but all the reps are coming with Kyle Allen throwing him the football or Matt right. Barkley. Like, no, it's he's out there with Josh Allen in the first string <laughs> offense making plays. He's not doing it against backups, you know, on the bottom of the depth chart. Uh, last question, then I'm going to let you go. I'm getting into interrupting Joe Yernan dinner plan territory <laughs> here. Um, yeah, look, there's a lot to be excited about. Obviously, when you think about Quinn and Savoy and Kulik and Benson, if he doesn't start the season, those are, you know, four guys, that's like a 30 year forwards that ain't even going to be here early on in this season. Uh, I wanted to end by asking you actually about, about Yuri Kulik. Cause it was about maybe six months ago or so. It felt like, like the way he ended the season with Rochester, that he had an excellent chance to make this team out of camp, especially after mm -hmm. Jack Quinn went down. But from everything I've, you know, read and and watched following, you know, you guys who are covering the team on a regular basis, it just seems like Kulik having a, a big camp slash preseason has never materialized. And now it seems like pretty much like a lock that he'll go down to Rochester, which isn't being critical of the player. He's no. very young and that could be a very good thing for him. But am I right in saying that, that like just it never really materialized or it hasn't, I should say, at least because there's still time left for Kulik throughout yeah. the camp? Yeah, no, it's it, it's I mean, I, I think there's I think he put a lot of pressure on himself here because I think mm -hmm. I think there's a you know, it, he, you know, he went back to, to Czechia in the summer to you know work out, do all those things and get ready for the year. And I know the major part, I mean, all these guys are preparing to to make it to the NHL. Like let's, sure. let's not, like nobody's going, going home to work out and be like, boy, I can't wait to get back to the AHL next season. Or, you know, I can't wait to get to the E, you know, play, play in that second, you know, that second tier league. Nobody's doing that. Um, so he was preparing with it, with the mindset and the idea that like the NHL is a very real possibility, you know, right out of camp. And I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. We saw it during, saw it dur certainly during the prospects challenge where he was kind of, you know, really pressing a in a lot of his shifts and, you know, guys were trying to feed him on the power play, which obviously that's what you're going to do a guy yeah. with, with a shot like that. But, um, but the, but the, the five on five games really hasn't quite been there. And I think there's, you know, he hasn't, you know, and, and again, you know, he hasn't played with, with any of like the really big guys uh, so far. And, you know, he's kind of gone between playing center, playing wing uh, a little bit. So, you know, he's 19, man, <laughs> you know, 19. Like, that's, that's the thing. He's 19. Tell me to my son. <laughs> right. So he's, he's 19 there. He got a really, he had a really good year in Rochester last year. And 
Um, get them back, you know, get them back with the Amherst. Tell them like, hey man, we're, we need you to we need you to pick up where you left off last year and be better in these certain things. That's that's where having Seth Appert down there really helps out because he's able to get on the you know to get these guys focused and get them get them on that level. And honestly. That's why you hire Vinny Prospel to be an assistant coach too, because if you have a, a guy from from the Czech Republic who had a long NHL career, was a very good NHL player to be an assistant coach to work with a guy who's from from the Czech Republic, Czechia, yeah, pretty pretty good thing to to have in your back pocket down there for when he gets there, because it helps to have somebody like that. And you know, if Rusek goes back down there, I mean, Rusek was like kind of like a big brother for him down there too. So uh, you know having having like a guy like that who's who's a big figure in Czech hockey to to work with is a, it will help both of those guys out a lot. I think Rusek's a little bit closer. Would have liked to have seen a better a stronger you know some stronger games out of him. There was some shifts here and there against Toronto that I like, but uh, the the whole thing not totally there. Um but um it's uh I'm not, I'm not sweating Yuri Kulik yet. Would would have been cool to see him have a monster camp, and kind of force the issue and be like, yeah, no, that spot's mine, and you know, you know, force his way through. But uh, I think right now, a little more time's okay because like, he'll learn, he'll get better, and I I know they want to get that five on five game to be a lot stronger. Nineteen years old, yeah. man. God damn, God damn. Well, going, Nineteen during the AHL playoffs last year, Pat. Like, come on, <laughs> that is that's nuts, man. All right, that is going to do it. And by the way, if you want to read more of Joe's thoughts and observations and feature stories, go to uh, notedhockey.com. Five bucks a month, can't go wrong with that. Also, Joe and Lance Lazowski from the Buffalo News—they regularly do the Maiden's Day podcast. Go mm-hmm. check that out as well. Thanks, man. It's always fun having you on. The fans want the starting five draft. We got we we got to do it at least <laughs> one more time. Uh, so I'll get you back on soon and uh and do that. But thanks, man. I appreciate you as always, dude. Always oh, always a good time, Pat. Always fun to be here. All right, guys. I'll be back with another episode uh, tomorrow, and then Thursday I'm gonna have Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Talk to you then.